In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Welcome back to the True Life Podcast. On Friday, we have the one and only Rongo with us. You've seen him before. You've seen his LinkedIn page. You've seen him on Sundays, and you've seen a few of our discussions. Ranga, can you tell me, first off, how you're doing? And second off, what do you do in a crazy event? Let's fill people in on, on crazy events and what you can do. So how are you? What can we do? I'm good. <laughs> I think... Uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> I think eventually that's that's the place I want to be within myself, being calm and being you know, the good good we say is just to be calm and being okay with how things are. The events are not always um, so favorable, right? It doesn't make you easily accept that oh it's gonna be okay. So right. yeah, I had this uh, incident this morning as I was telling you before the live event started. Um, so we had this great. Uh, Pyrenees uh, foster drug that we were planning to transport from the shelter to our home. And uh, we didn't know it was a two people job. So my partner, she went by herself and um, she's so big, the dog, and she tried, kept, uh, she tried coming to the front seat. So it was quite dangerous to drive. So my partner pulled on the highway and um, she gave me a call uh, saying she needs help. And I just got up. I just got up and had this schedule, right? At 11 o'clock, I'm going to go live with uh, George. <laughs> so the immediate thing is frustration. Like you couldn't find a better time to do it. Like, like this is something has to happen right before my thing to, you know, my thing. You, you right. have something has to happen, right? right? Uh, so it, that's the part, even though I know at that point, that's not how I'm supposed to perceive it. It takes some time to understand. Though, Things are okay, right? Um, because it's as simple as uh, shooting a message to you saying that uh, I am going to be a little late. And That's it. it's it's simple. And you, you're okay with it, right? Yep. Um, maybe in, sometimes situations are not that much favorable. But again, there is always a way to work around things. 
but uh, yeah uh, once i drove to the place we just had to do a bit of uh, things with transferring her to the other car two people staying in the same car uh, dropping her back to the shelter leaving one car in the highway and uh, that was the delay but eventually once things are happening you start to realize it's not as big of a problem as you projected in inside your head because when you're thinking about it it's too much too much to yeah. worry right yesterday i was uh, reading this uh, beautiful quotes of uh, stoic philosophy so what it says the the title is worrying so what do science and stoics have to tell about worrying right stoics always said so science talks about worrying in the sense of statistics so they say people imagine situations um, so many situations that around 3% come true and out of the 3% 1% tur- not even 1% 0.5% turn out to be uh, much worse right or are as bad as you expected uh, so out of the 3% of your predicted thing 2.5% of the times you expect to react in a much worse things but much worse way but when it actually happens it's uh, it's it's not as bad so eventually science is trying to say worrying is not helpful which is what stoic said in the sense that no amount of worrying can get you anywhere like you can keep thinking about it you can keep the time goes by but what's actually happening there are no action and n- nothing is you're not going to change the situation anyway right so yeah I, it's just funny for me because i read these things and i see life to be very synchronous because it happens immediately as if it's always happening i just didn't look at that way right yeah. so things are always happening a particular way with a thousand different perceptions so i definitely feel we have the power to see it in a very uh new and interesting way rather than a depressing and a sad way i guess yeah I think it comes down almost to awareness and perception. Yes. Like we're not aware that like the the moment you begin to get frustrated is the moment you should you should understand I don't have control of this and that's why you're frustrated but you never had control in the beginning so there's really you only had the appearance of control. So there's really all that's really left to do is to have a good laugh when you start getting frustrated like wait okay wait a minute i'm being ridiculous here how could yeah. i even how could i have even imagine that that's so crazy you know yeah. i think i was wondering too when you talk when you talk about like science and stoics and statistics i often wonder if it's this idea of looking at numbers or trying to quantify things especially humans as a set of numbers i think that that leads to frustration because we're not something that can be deduced to a number we're not a unit of productivity we're human beings and i think that that is a level of contention between modern day society productivity profits and lifestyle what do you think about the almost dehumanization of people by looking at them like numbers or statistics it's definitely um again there are uh, two different uh how do you say perceptions to it one for the greater good as humanity as such so it's not an entirely a bad thing to see numbers and look at things so it can be very helpful for uh, designing newer systems to help people so in that way we we are not dehumanized we become as much as we are we are just become part of a bigger whole right okay so um just one second of course yeah 
okay. So so that that is one perception, right? But when it comes to the individual life, I don't think they should consider themselves as numbers just because in a in a bigger picture when you see it from the space we we are this tiny little things right we we can't even see ourselves like we can't see any living organisms as such we do not have genes or mammoths to be viewed directly from let's say in from the space so everyone is gone to dust doesn't mean when we come back we come back with the idea oh you're anyways dust so i'm just gonna run over you we do not have the intention because relatively when then our perception change and we come to see another human we we tend to see the part that is within us right i'm also a dust right just because i went to space and i saw you you there was this um i think uh series on netflix where there were eight astronauts who were being interviewed who came back from space everyone had an enlightening perception to how things were they, they all realized there are no boundaries and uh none of those things these are just for construct right uh, and in that construct right uh, i believe having countries or let's say according to that you need statistics and probability and so on they are helpful tools but it's like the person returning from space when when humans approach their life their activities their um, how do you say how, how am i going to control my state of mind to this particular activity they shouldn't think from the number point of view because at that point it's irrelevant because their subjective perception has changed to something else where it can't be drawn by productivity or numbers yeah yeah it's it's such a weird lens to see people through and i think what you said about the individual seeing themselves that way and being part of a bigger whole is it's a beautiful way to look at it. And I, sometimes I wonder this though, like I wonder, you know, we all, all of us who see each other as human beings, we, we have an unwritten rule book. We have this code of conduct. We treat each other with respect, but every now and then someone steps outside of the boundaries and like, you know, racism or, or classism or some sort of, rigid boundary will show its head and you'll see people blow up. I'm wondering if, if the corporate structure isn't doing that too. Like I, I watched this documentary on employees and, and productivity and at Disney, at UPS, all these places, they give person, they give people an employee number. And then when people come in, they look at their employee number and then there's a, a, a list of other numbers next to it that show their productivity and i'm wondering is that not the same as like a racial slur like if you if i come up and i say this person's this this and this like that's just this crazy mean label i put on them and it's dehumanizing is not a corporation giving an employee an employee number like a different kind of of defamation or you know it's not it's kind of racist in that you're it's definitely classist you know what i mean I, I don't know. It's just, it, it gets me thinking. It's this weird way of segregating people into different classes so that we can see them different. And there's, there's sometimes it's not bad to see that, but it's definitely something that is divisive and it bothers me. What should we do about this, Ron? What are the answers? <laughs> uh, you, you said a great thing about the carpet. Uh, just before that, um, 
once again, so this is on live, right? I'm just gonna let my partner yeah. know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Puja, it's I think you can go to YouTube and to the previous link and go to his podcast thing. It'll be on there. Sorry about that. Um, no apologies, my friend. I work at a manufacturing plant. I work at an extrusion plant. So my employee number is 1928, right? Nice. So I don't think it's it's bad to say that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I am to that number and uh, I do note we extrude uh, aluminum mm -hmm. from billets to different shapes and uh, we have a hour to hour um, press output, right? Mm -hmm. So I do have the output and uh, at the end of a 10 hour shift, I have to go and hand it over the, to the supervisor. So it's pretty much when you said about the corporate and productivity attached to that particular number, um, I, I only felt like, oh, this is happening exactly in my life, right? And uh, is it bad? Again, what, what, there is um, the question is, how much are we letting ourselves be trapped in that idea that I am just a number or my output is this output, right? right. For example, my name, Ranga, right. or your name, George. These are these are made up names, right? These could be numbers. It doesn't matter. You know, you have Elon Musk's son with... I don't know how you say that XAE 12, right? It doesn't matter. It's, it's more uh, so that you're, you're able to understand that person is being referred to, right? It's nothing more than that. So it's only when we get obsessed over the fact, wait, am I being limited to this, right? When we kind of lack self-confidence and kind of have this validation that people need to honor me for who I am, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like when we drop that and when we truly feel whole, we do not, people can call you whatever you want. And it's like, you understand, oh, this is, this is what I mean to them, right? So one of the things I wanted to say about productivity in that matter is that even though as a press operator, I note down the numbers and um, I go give it and they make it a big deal as the, oh, you, you, you ran 10,000 kilogram today or you did 12,000, you know, the other press operated. It's none of those because I might just putting the metal out and then there is a whole process that's going on. A person has to stretch the metal, send it to another machine where the three people are spending their 10 hours cutting it and packing it and they all affect the productivity numbers. Right. So technically I do the least work, right? Right. But on the outside, it's perceived as, oh, this person pushed more numbers today just mm -hmm. because I'm noting down the numbers and giving it to because I have the machine that tells me what the numbers are. Right. So when we start trying to understand the process at a deeper level or not just look at it from the outside, we, we will be able to get a better picture of why things are uh, why things exist in the first place. And I think this goes back to all, all superstitions and all uh, cultures and traditions, right? These, mm -hmm. these were amazing things needed at a particular point in time for us to maybe survive or band together or uh, at that point, let's say, be more productive and stuff. But it, again, when it comes to the individual level, it cannot be the defining moment of your life, right? right. It's as a collective humanity, it might be a, it might be one thing, but in your life, it might be as simple as, um, just when you go to sleep, you're able to sleep properly, right? How, how bad are your nightmares or how much are you getting entailed in your dreams or how refreshed are you after how many hours of sleep? It might come down to as small as that. And we do have, um, sleep 
machines and stuff but how many people are really going for it like i i don't know many people who go to that right but those are also numbers you can make it you can go for a productivity score then and say oh yeah now i clock 6 hours and i feel refreshed as ever right we 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 can do that if we want to make it a competition we can do that but it's all about what are we trying to do right right yeah okay let me ask you this and in, in a in a in how would you define tradition you want to explain a bit more uh, about yes, tradition yes. and what what it okay. means to you let me let me tell you let me tell you what i'm going for here so i i think that a tradition I feel that a tradition is something that has some sort of sacred time to it. It's something that you participate in that people around you that you care for also participate in. And it has meaning to the whole group. But And when I say meaning, I mean something that is powerful for you. A tradition is something that a group of people would do where everybody in that group benefits and it moves the group forward. And it may mean different things to people in that group, but it's still a powerful meaning to that. And the reason that I ask is that in our previous podcast, one of the things that you had spoke about was the, the wanting to help traditional related problems. And that comes from different cultures have different traditions and I think getting up and going to work here is a tradition. I'm wondering, can you use some of these techniques about, you know, what's in a name or what's in an employee number and getting to understand that those are just labels put on you the same way you were able to explain the employee number and productivity can be changed by seeing yourself differently. Can you apply that same strategy to traditional problems of people in different countries. You know, do you know what I mean by that? Does that kind of make sense? Hundred percent. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I think it's all relevant when you start seeing, trying to see similarities or see them as analogies. Right. It comes down to the same level of um, trying to see as a collective thing and as an individual thing. Right. right? Uh, one person doing something never becomes a tradition. <laughs> <laughs> right that that doesn't the, the term is such a way that you can never become if i do something <laughs> as much appealing as it might be it's not a tradition right mm -hmm. it, it has a thing that it's gonna let, let's say it's inspire people or have more people and for me tradition has turned out to be a bad term in my head relatively because of the fact that um you know one person says this is working for him the other, I, I truly believe the other person should not take it without questioning. Yeah. Yeah. So in traditions, I believe at least growing up, traditions is used as a thing that it's a tradition. So you cannot break it. Right. Ah, okay. So it, it becomes limiting. So I think I messaged you last time after the podcast, right? Uh, how my distant relative was talking to my sure. parents. So it seemed really off to me. I, w I got angry and my anger was the part that um, if you have stuff to say, talk to me. 
You know, yes. I'm available. Yes, I'm right here. <laughs> Say it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> and talk so that you you also have a chance to, you know, understand what's going on, right? Yeah. But is reply? So after I said that, I think he again contacted my parents. I'm like, do you understand English? <laughs> like, do I need to change languages? Right. right. And, and his reply was this. In our tradition, uh, we do not talk to the younger people. We tell the old people or the parents, right? Or guardians, whoever they are. And they will take care of it. Mm. Right? So this is a tradition. Okay. So was it helpful at some point? Maybe. It would have been definitely helpful. Like thousands of years back. Right. In an age of information now, things are much different, right? Yes. And you see a Western society where uh, after 18, kids are, may, are grown up with the fact that they're going to be independent. They're going to go on to become self-sufficient, yes. right? They're going to be more than that. They're going to take responsibility for their actions, right? Yes. So one of the traditions that I have seen back home is the part where parents feel like um, when they give birth to their kids, it's like a lifetime role, right? Mm, okay. So they do not let go of the role. And uh, so they are responsible, 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 not living their life, living their kid's life. Responsible, meaning well, right? That's, that's sure. the part of love they understand. So they do not let them make mistakes or they, they try to tell them and enforce this is going to lead to bad. But right. the actual learning is going to happen one, when one goes through the mistake. Yes. So traditions as such, as much as it can be good, can be limiting to a person because they might live a fake good life. It'll be good. You can see from the outside, it'll be so good. But life does not happen for... When you take the observer who is living through that, the question comes, what, 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 what does it mean to you? Are you happy? Right? For, for me, I think for the last three years, it's, I have had this belief since my psychedelic trip that one has to be in a state of peace. For me, happiness and peace, they, they are the, and uh, pleasure is something which you can go for, right? I'm not talking about pleasure. I'm talking about an inner state of happiness or joy or peace. And one has to be that before they do anything. If you're in an agitated state of mind, yeah, yeah, sure. Things that that's what I'm saying. So the let's say let's go back to the morning episode, right? Like I sure. took the car, went to her, did all that. I could have been angry throughout, right? It would have caused a different ripple effect throughout the day or the next few weeks, yeah. and things would have still been done. Like the dog would have been returned to the shelter. We would have come back to to a perceiver. Let's say to you. Oh, Ranga's made it home. His partner made it home. They're sitting here. So you wouldn't know the difference. But here, it's fucked. She might be thinking, why is he angry at me? Why is there such a, you know, the bad tension in the mood? It's going to cause such ripple effects. Yes. So the same thing done with a different state of mind is going to be, you're just honoring that present moment and letting it be, letting it go. And it doesn't happen easily. You know, there are so many times, so many reasons to get easily frustrated right <clears throat> all you can do is remind yourself to be back and value what you truly want i think that's where our um so in traditions right i i i, yeah. I still i'm trying to follow I'm with the you. track uh, right in traditions i feel like the priority is given to something else 
right? It's not given to the inner peace. Mm-hmm. So it it can be given to the method or the process that puts a person in a state of peace according to the outside world. But is it truly for the observer? Because if it is not working for a person like me, and I know at least a few people who are not following traditions, except for it is a compulsive need, right? So if it is failing on little accounts, so is it really working? And uh, this is one thing uh, I think uh, Jordan Peterson mentioned in his podcast with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. It was very nice. Um, you know, we need stability as well as chaos. So there are a group of people who create stability and uh, there are a few so-called crazy people, really yeah. crazy people who go into the unknown, who go into the chaos and do really crazy stuff, right? And that becomes the culture for the next set of tradition, uh, next next generation or something, right? Yeah. So that culture and tradition is nothing but, I feel from that perspective, is someone's pursuit to present moment awareness or someone's pursuit to God. So I feel like pe- other people try to copy it. Copying is not a bad thing. Copying is one of the most important ways of how humans learn, right? Imitation is a great tool to learn. It's, it's to the part where, why am I doing it? Again, the, the questions have to come. Yeah. You, know, you, can, you, can, you can be doubtful. You can be, is it really helping me? Is it really taking me to where I want to be? What is, because all, along with traditions and uh, culture, as much as I said, it's prisoning, right? So the, let's say even the pursuit is for God. These, this God is not a, as much as it can be quoted as a universal omnipotent God. It's not. It's a... It's more of a father figure in the Christian tradition or the um, 33 million figures in Hindu tradition, right? It, I might be off with the number. So a few years <laughs> back when I saw the amount of gods in Hindu was the same as Canadian population. I was like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you became one of the gods then by moving to Canada. <laughs> That's the part. Uh, we, we put gods in manifest form, mm. right? And uh, yes. You really can't explain God. It's like that That goes back to the previous question you said uh, about uh, science and measurement, right? We want to measure everything. And yes. uh, when we try to put people into number, are we dehumanizing them? This is one thing. One of the things we are, I think we are eventually trying to do is measure God. Right? Yeah. That's another post which I saw. It was, it was really funny. And the, just the method of measuring God is going to be so futile. It's not going to get us anywhere. So science in this aspect will not reach God as we know. I think not science is not. Yeah, it seems to me science is almost another word for God. It's just this evolution of God. Like we have begun to worship, you know, this idea the same way that we use God to explain things we don't understand. Now we just use the science. Well, we don't, here's the science of it. I mean, if you just change the, every time, if, if during the pandemic or during stuff, instead of saying, trust the science, we said, trust God, it's yeah. still a matter of faith. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy yeah. to think about. And when we talk about measuring stuff, like, you know, I, I think it's fair to say, or what I like to say this sometimes that the divine spark is within us, that we are God. And if yeah. it backs up what you say, 
if we're trying to measure God by productivity, we're measuring ourselves. And what does that mean? That makes us God a little bit. But, you know, I carry on. I, I kind of butt into your to your stuff right there. But the well, idea I think that that yeah. was it for that part of the conversation. Yeah. You can uh, see that part where you said we are God, right? So, yeah. but where the question goes back, where do we draw the line? What is God? You said science is God. I say God is the framework and also everything within it. So everything is God. Yes, So I agree. The word that comes out is God. So when you kind of say, say that and see it that way, it's like if everything is light, right? Let's say there is no darkness. Everything is light. There is no use of the word light and darkness. Right? So you don't need to necessarily use it. Because only when darkness is there, you're going to say that is light. This is, you, you, these are dual terms. So God is not duality. God is beyond duality. So you, you really cannot... Sometimes there is no point in talking about God. Because all the activities and manifest forms we do, we, it's just it's a play. It's just play of this... Uh, thing right yeah yeah it's a it's the, it's a sometimes i believe it's an antiquated framework but then i think maybe i'm just antiquated my thoughts are <laughs> yeah but i, I really I, and I, that's one thing that i see happening right now that gives me such excitement for the future is this emergence of a new spirituality and i see it everywhere i see it in the inner disciplinary I always get that word wrong. I, I see it in the interdisciplinary play of different subjects coming together. Like there's different sciences that are coming together. There's different types of work emerging as one type of work. And I, I see it as a move away from specialization into a move of integration. And that follows the same cycle as boom and bust, expand and contract. And yeah. that pattern is everywhere. And if you can notice that pattern on a macro scale, you can begin to notice inside yourself and everything around you. And I see all, when I look at some of the religions I saw, like you said, there's 33 million gods in this one religion. And then there's Buddha and there's Jesus and Muhammad. There's all these prophets and gods. And all of a sudden I'm beginning to see this new interdisciplinary faith come. And everyone's like, here's a church where you can go and, you pray to all your gods, you know, and I, I had this thought today in the United States, we have this, there's been this kind of struggle for a long time about the separation of church and state. And a lot of states, depending where you are or what you think, Hey, there should be no religion in school. I'm almost thinking there should be mandated spiritual time in school. And instead of, instead of having one God, Hey, everybody has 20 minutes to have a spiritual time to pray. It doesn't have to be to Jesus it doesn't have to be turning towards Mecca, but you should take 20 minutes to get in touch with whatever higher being you decide is worth your 20 minutes. And if people wanted to, they could get up and explain what they're doing. I think that would go a long way to recreating a fundamental foundation for people to stand on when it comes to faith. And I, I think that this idea of specialization that has plagued us for so long is beginning to come back and integrate. I, what what do you think about this idea of specialization and integration, be it faith or be it science or be it psychedelics? What do you think? Uh, when you were saying that, I got this analogy. You can see that patterns not in just science, right? Uh, just 
think of the economy as such right everything yeah. was limited thousands of years back so you have uh, that's why you have smaller smaller groups exist right uh, a state doesn't need to exist if it was if the country was operating efficiently a state doesn't need to exist but we do understand the smaller it is if there are a, there is a person responsible for a smaller number of people the process is more efficient right so now thousands of years back these states were not as much connected right and then they got connected and they formed the country and it happened different different parts and now countries are connecting right the trade the trade that's happening so also the connection between people right like you can you have uh, websites like omegle where you can just go and randomly <laughs> anyone who, who has internet connection is going to you're going to randomly connect to them so this is one of those progress where we are reaching towards the global unification yeah yet the process we do the work we do will always be specialized i feel we cannot think beyond um be, just just to understand that we are limited in the sense that you have this five senses and for you reality is going to be within that right within yeah. that of what the senses can perceive right uh, sorry to sidetrack but one of the funniest things that um i read last year i think was you know back in those days uh, people used the term when someone is acting crazy right crazy is a, such a good word i can't even use it that way now <laughs> but acting let's say irrational or not in the favor of like not calm right right all they used to say is oh let him be let him come back to his senses right i think it hit me when i was meditating that they had it right we had to come back to our senses because that's where our reality li- lies right so this is the thing i was saying in the previous podcast of missing people when they are not there i think it's a imaginative fictitious fictitious my part of your brain which is so detrimental to our life that we kind of think missing them is what we um, pay respect to or we are it really proves to us that oh i value that person but if we change our pers- perception to being able to put the same amount of respect when people are actually there in your present it changes the whole game there is no point to miss right so going back to your topic of uh, specialization so since we are limited beings and we have these senses we we can always work on the things that we really are passionate about right like just go into it go go into it so much that you get lost in it it might be such a tiny thing you know but it is leading to something that you're not going to comprehend we will never be able to comprehend how life is going to uh, get reshaped because of your specialization in something yeah it's 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 interesting to think when when you say that it's so, it's almost like a huge ego to think you know what you're doing like you're if you're part of this bigger bigger schema if you're part of this bigger project and maybe a bigger intelligence is a right word if you're part of this bigger intelligence you can only know or or even you have such a limited sight into into what you're doing i i, I want to try to explain what i just said by this experiment that i read i read there was an experiment about subway systems and they took the they took a map of the united states and they showed the underground tunnels and and how it went one way and how it went one way and how they built stuff and 
they spoke about how while it's much more efficient to have these tunnels going through and it helps a lot, it could have been done so much better. And the experiment they did is they they cut out a piece of agar, like a, like a substrate you would grow mushrooms on. And then they, they cut it into the shape of Japan. And they inoculated the agar with the spores and they let the spores migrate through the agar. And when they looked at that, they go, look at that. That's a much more efficient way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, whoa, like talk about intelligent design or talk about learning from stuff. You know, why aren't we paying more attention to experiments like that? Like, why don't we cut out the shape of the United? Like if we wanted to do tunnels or set up infrastructure, yeah. why not do an experiment like that? On another similar type of experiment, I read a story about a president of a major university. And they were they had this brand new building and a whole new quad area they were setting up. And they they finished all the buildings and it looked pristine. And the contractor said, Okay, where do you want the sidewalks? And the guy goes, I don't want any sidewalks. He's like, What are you talking about? It's gonna be it's gonna be a mess. And the guy's like, I want sidewalks, but I'm gonna wait two semesters to see where the kids go. And so he let the kids traverse through the grass and go whatever way they wanted. And sure enough, after two semesters, that's where the sidewalks go, you know. <laughs> That's so, quite interesting, yeah. Right, right. And I, I I think that there's something to be said about that. The, I was trying to get to the point of we don't thoroughly know what we're doing in the long run. We may have some long-term goals. We may have some ideas of what we want to accomplish. But ultimately, the work we're doing is going to put our future generations in a spot that we can't imagine. And so – it's it's I'm I'm thankful that you brought that up because I, I I haven't really thought about that and I didn't think about those experiments and connecting it until you brought that part up. It's and it, and it kind of relieves some tension from me and I think it should relieve tension from other people. Like hey, you don't have to worry about that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you, I think you started the sentence by saying um, there is ego involved, right? That yes, I I think that is definitely true. It's um, have you watched Love, Death, and Robots? No, I haven't. On Netflix, those are beautiful 10-15 minute episodes. Okay. And um, I don't think I got the meaning of it until like maybe two weeks back when I was high. Probably, <laughs> oh, this guy loves death and robots. That's why it's love, death, robots. I, I thought it's love, <laughs> comma, death, comma, robots or something like that, right? But it just talks about uh, mostly post-apocalyptic situations or how humans are making mistakes. But one of the things that uh, they keep talking is how humans thought they were the pinnacle of creation, mm. right? And that that's a pretty, pretty much an ego play, right? Because of ignorance of not knowing better, that idea is that. And because of that, we do not look at things that can actually have the solution. The spores you were talking about, that's an amazing experiment. I'll yeah. read about it. It was quite interesting. The spores have been here for, they're older than us, right? And uh, as Eckhart Tolle says, like each cell of our body carries information much, much more than what our teeny tiny conscious part can even comprehend, right? Um, as simple as if you think about just um, do your bodily process, right? Everything is happening unconsciously, right? I think we talked about it. We eat. That's all we do. What else we do after that? Nothing. 
we go back to getting distracted with our we live in this tiny part of wherever we are located right that too i feel like we say here because of the brain or the eyes yeah but we we get limited to that right and that limits you you do not you take things for granted because oh i know better so why do i waste time looking at this it but if you're truly curious and you're experimenting with a lot of things right not everything is going to be favorable but there are so many information which you can take just by having this um open minded curiosity and i definitely believe two things about what you said people shouldn't know what they are doing in life i do not think if they know i really think it's it's, it's very the primitive mindset where you definitely know what you, you cannot you simply cannot with 7 billion humans alone involved the interactions are so complex that each person doing something is navigating the world to somewhere else there is no way you're supposed to know what you're doing right there there are so many things that happen just off the moment right yeah you said people can have a certain list of accomplishment there are two things that happen people accomplish that and feel that they are miserable or people respond to what present moment offers and are happy because i do not think with a long term view of life you just you're going to get so narrowed down you're going to get so narrowed down i think this is what was one more thing jordan peterson was saying right like the interaction of the thing as time goes by you can you can guess what you're going to do maybe 10 minutes from now still talk to me i hope so if you're not bored tomorrow you still have an idea if i ask you 2 weeks from now you can tell me something but what's the probability it's going to happen the probability becomes less 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 you go one one month from now the probability is so low and we are talking about years ahead right this was i think one of the questions i used to hate in interviews back in india at least is like where do you see yourself in 5 years i don't know based on my drug consumption in my in a grave hope <laughs> i hope i do not go there but you cannot tell this this was so you know and at that point when the question is put forth before you and you kind of feel like you don't know the answer to it but you also feel like maybe you should know right so i feel like we have to spread awareness in that part to all the people that it's okay to not know it's yeah. definitely it's it's kind of so good to not know yeah yeah it's so it's, re- relieving as you said you you feel you what did you say i think you um, it felt relieving right for you yeah knowing that yeah, yeah that's that's it like you're you're not the weight of the show world is not on your shoulders none of those you don't need to go out and save anything do anything all these ideas as it happens you start responding rather than making a plan for it because these plans are again made with uh past information right and yeah for the last two weeks i think every time i think about history your word pops up his story yeah i'm <laughs> telling you it's right there <laughs> it was so funny every yeah. i couldn't think about history without you know thinking yeah. about our conversation right and <laughs> his story that limited perception of the past even if you were able to pinpoint all the information of the past it's going to be pointless mm. right but with this limited information of past we try to respond and you know 
make it better make it safe make it comfortable but we are we are trying to be proactive but it doesn't call for it that's the thing your your whole job your whole job for every single being on this planet is to be here now that's the only thing you can do rest happens rest things just happen it's magic it's magic you know <laughs> yeah like how do you like how do you grow your you're growing your how are you growing your hair right now how are you doing that you know how Nothing. are you how are you growing like how are you growing your teeth how have you figured out how to pump your heart how are you doing that how are you growing your muscles like you know this is things that are just happening constantly and we have no concept of how we're doing it but we're doing it we're doing it right now you know and on the topic of history like i once i began i started reading this amazing series by uh a Anatoly Fomenko. And in this book, he, he wrote a series of books called History, Science, or Fiction. And, and it really just began to just explode my mind because he started taking these kinds of, listen, if we look at history, one thing we know for sure, or one thing that is true enough is that eclipses happen on a regular basis. Let's start here. Look at this anomaly that happened in the Middle Ages where this particular, there's this thing called parameter D and parameter D is this, it's this series of eclipses that happen every like three years. It's like how come parameter D didn't happen for 40 years, but it happens every three years. This is clearly uh, an error. It's not some sort of phenomenon that happened. This is a clerical error. And if this clerical error happened, might it be more possible that the history we've been told is all BS, you know? So like, and it was, it's so irrefutable. You start looking at it, you start looking at all the evidence and then he compiles all this other evidence. And like, it, it just got me thinking like, oh, his story. And then it, it, it became liberating to a point where when people ask you the question of where do you see yourself in five years, you go, oh, he wants a story. He wants history. Okay, so then you can just make up a story like, well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. What I see in 10 years is me by this beach. And I have a, you know, you just start making up this crazy story. It doesn't have to be real. But the more, more engaging your story, the more people want to believe it. And the more you draw them into your own history, which can be intoxicating and liberating, but almost a little bit dangerous, you know. And all of a sudden, you start getting good at telling stories and seeing people's eyes get big. Oh, that's a great story. And then you start feeling this, getting all pumped up. You're like, yeah, listen to this story. And, Next thing you know, you're living in your own story that's not even a real story. <laughs> yeah. That's it's crazy. Um, you, you're talking about a story for the future, right? I think that's yeah. one thing that's happening from the past also, right? We get limited to a story. Yes. Right? We tend to... Uh, if, if someone asked me who you are, I, I, I again believe I shouldn't be able to say anything. I can give you a few of the things that I do in my day, Right. But right. what do I exactly pinpoint and say this is this entails my whole of the personality or this is me like you this is this makes this defines me in such a way that you can predict my action pattern is that what you really want to hear from my mouth so what question do we actually ask or what answer do we want to know when we ask people tell me who you are or you know again all these questions I think goes back yeah. to the interview thing I was talking but I think we are, we are kind of focusing on the part that comes with uh, limited uh, viewing of the world, right? 
Sure. And one of the things, the, the Eclipse thing is, I wouldn't say complicated. It's, it's a much more detailed uh, thing, right? Just take a thing like flat earth. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. There are people who believe earth is flat because right again, this is where I, I'm going to contradict myself or find okay. this really irony, uh, ironical as much as you're going to be limited to your senses, right? That's where the part comes. You have to truly live in the moment without having a narration, right? Without having that story, the side tracking story that goes on. Because if you were going to live completely in your senses and have a story along with it, mm-hmm. you're going to be a flat earth society. You're going to be part of the flat earth society as well. Because to you, everything is going to be flashed. And it's going to be like, yeah, we live in a flat earth. Because this person told me senses is what you have to live in. But no, senses, yes, not the narration, right? Any thought that arises, that's useless. As much as it might seem as the subjective truth at that point, I think it's noises that doesn't take us anywhere. Okay, do you think that earlier, I think in our last conversation, you had mentioned a retreat that you went to where it was one where you don't speak, you don't move. Yes. Do you think, and, and then you would also mention like, the, you're like, gosh, darn it, George, you know, I would just be like, oh, I'll just itch right here one time. It won't matter. Yes. Do you think that those particular needs of the body to be scratched are the same as the thoughts that pop up in your head? Like, is it just noise? Is it just a distraction? <laughs> it's a great analogy. At that point when you're meditating, yes, I f- believe so. Because um, at least in Vipassana, what I underwent was each time, so for me, Vipassana is about uh, being with the sensations throughout the body from head to toe, right? And as you're scanning your body, uh, each time I go to a particular part and some pain happens or I'm uncomfortable, right? I feel like our memory is distributed throughout our, throughout our body. Mm. And like I have pain in my knee, yes. a part of my childhood unlocks, right? It just, yeah. the, the timing is so coincidental. Maybe it's not relevant. But I would like to, you know, I'm having fun at it. So I tend to put them together and like, yeah, yeah maybe memory is distributed, right? And yes. in the, in that manner, of course, if thought is arising along with a sensation and that sensation could be an itch or something really good, right? That's what uh, I think Goenka focuses on telling. It's not just one sensation that you're going to be trying to get and one you're pushing away, right? So if you're itching, you either you itch so that you temporarily feel the illusion of that itching getting better. But we all know by now, the more itch, you itch, you want to itch even more. And at some yeah. point, you just reach that plateau of uh, pleasure and it becomes horrible, <laughs> right? If you have, <laughs> I, I bite my nails, so my nails are kind of sharp at times, right? And right. the itching is not so enjoyable <laughs> at times, right? And... Um, Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts are kind of like that, right? Like it comes and it goes and it does, we, we, we have no idea where it originates, what it's doing. And, but seeing it as a, um, seeing the thought as me, right? Yes. I feel this, like I, so whatever is happening, I I don't believe the external world. I am supposed to learn to the inner, inner world, but thoughts are happening inner. So I have to listen to it. Right. So all these conversations we are having right it's it's funny because every single thing can be taken in a negative light you can say something that seems so good right and it could be taken in a completely different light and 
and you know the current uh, place where we are with religions and <laughs> religious wars and stuff so if you go back and see and talk to the people who first wrote this into books or add these so set of guides which turned into rules you'd be i'm not saying you don't know about that but you'd be mind blown you'd be like whoa that that seems to work it seems so you know fail proof method but uh, <laughs> that's the part we are we are so interesting beings we always find ways to fuck it up <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's so interesting like the evolution of thought and my, my grandpa used to say if you want a new idea read a really old book you know and it's like we're maybe there's something that happens like there's something that happens when you write stuff down but if we if we can agree that we have a living language and the words are always changing the same way we are always changing the same book that my grandfather read that i read can have two totally different meanings and two totally different outcomes and it's you know is that because the language is changing or is that because the people are changing i'm not sure but it's definitely changing society that way and it's our thoughts that are changing you know i and that that gets me to the idea of our thoughts changing and so let, let me put it this way so when you when you're sitting there and you're thinking whether you're meditating when you're thinking about thinking sometimes i find myself like well that was a strange thought like i'll be thinking about psychedelics and what it means to me and then i'll be like did i feed my cat like it just pops up in my head I'm like why okay then i have to be like why am i thinking about feeding my cat when i was just trying to focus on psychedelics and the conclusion i came to is because that is the next thought in the chain of thinking and as much as they seem random as much as i think my feeding my cat has nothing to do with psychedelics it's actually the next step in the progression of thought to get where i'm going so there's something there you have to go oh i know what it is because i i see the way my cat is eating and i was just thinking about the process of psychedelics and the way my cat is licking the bowl is the same path i take when i'm thinking about the process of digesting information that's what it was you know <laughs> but i think there's that's something that's a nice decode <laughs> i think there's something to be said about cuz i would get really caught up and i would be like i'm not focusing i'm having these random thoughts but those aren't here's what i've learned to people that may have this same type of on the I used to think it was unfocused. I used to, I uh, maybe it's a, my ADHD or maybe it's this all whatever label you want to put on there. But I would like people that are listening to this to think it is it's connected. The random thought isn't is not random. It's the next thought. The same way that a black belt does a punch a million times and you think you're doing the same punch you're not. You're doing a new one every time. So too is the idea of the random thought that comes in a moment of focus. It's not random. It's the yeah. next step in progression to where you're going. So, like, I may have just rambled there for quite a bit, but no, I, I, I was think, just... Uh, it was beautiful. You said uh, one important thing there, I think. Uh, <clears throat> how does language, having evolved from past years, yes. change, right? Yes. Does it change our thought as well? And that's, that's the interesting place where you see, right? Within you, a thought originates. It originates in a dimension yeah. that is beyond language. yes right so you can you can call it feeling or an emotion or what whatever you want or just name it thought right but there is an interaction of your subconscious in taking that energy and making it into words that you understand yeah right 
So how would it be different for a person who, who doesn't know how to speak? What are his thoughts going to be? Because what if deaf people, right? The, if you are asking them what their thoughts are, be interesting. In order to convey them, there is a process called thinking and then ask them what they're thinking, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah. So this, this interaction uh, of subconscious with that energy field where thoughts originate, how much is it useful? Why is it happening? There are so many um, things in our body that are happening because of, um, I, I forget the word. Uh, there are so many necessary activities and then some are maladapted, like people having chronic pain, chronic pain, right? Pain is necessary, but chronic pain is it, is it's going to degrade your lifestyle, right? So that's just your brain has adapted into this practice of giving you pain when it's not actually necessary. There is nothing to actually fix, right? And for example, I don't know much about this, but the organ appendix, right? Uh, we do not need it anymore. I, I guess. I, 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 I don't know. Or maybe that's just doctors that don't know. That's like junk DNA. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? So, right, right. Um, yeah, so I, I have half enough mindset on that. So I don't want to yeah. touch on the topic. Yeah. I truly don't know. And I, I don't want to uh, discuss on it. But you can live without see. it for sure. You know, I, I get, does that mean you don't need it? I Maybe. Yeah. So if it becomes a problem, right, it's... Uh, I yeah. think it uh, what hernia comes or something and right. they, they remove it, right? So in that case, it's that idea that uh, it's not going to affect your lifestyle, right? So it's a kind of an added thing. So you don't have to necessarily remove it, but you can right. just let it be. Yeah. But you don't have to go on poking it. So <laughs> appendix is inside, so we don't do that. But thoughts we kind of do, yeah. right? How much uh, of our... Again, it goes back to things that the same process that does digestion and breathing for us kind of takes over these things as well. So that's where we lose the fight, right? That's where the whole fight is about. And yeah. when that fight is lost, then you have uh, all these thoughts become actions, right? And you have, this is uh, 21st century and we have a war happening and it's, it's crazy. And uh, people are, I found out a hedge fund who is going 1 billion, 2 billion shot against Europe because of the energy cost increasing. And you see, it's, it's all about like, yeah, fuck Europe, who cares? Like I, my <laughs> headphone is gonna, right? <laughs> crazy. It's, it's that, right? That, that, that thought that comes, um, and you know, that's what they say. It brings in money or it brings in things that people appreciate or you feel like you need it at that point. And it becomes a good thought. I had a great thought today. I had an amazing thought today. Is it though? Right? I, I do not think thinking is that. It's amazing as an activity. Yep. But when it translates to actions, I don't necessarily agree. Yeah. Boys, I got a great one. We're going to short Europe. All in right now. These guys are going down, right? <laughs> the hedge funds are so nuts like that. Yeah. It, it makes me think of breathe like our friend Kevin Holt does a, a huge class on breath work. Hmm. And, you know, right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm breathing and I'm not really being conscious of it. I know I'm doing it, but I'm not being conscious of it. However, if I choose to be conscious of it, I can, you know, 
I can't do the breath work like like the Iceman or uh, I forgot his name, the Wim Hof technique. Wim Hof. Yeah. You know, and there's if I become conscious of my breathing, I can achieve different states of consciousness or I can see reality different or I can feel great or I can make myself pass out. But the, the, the point is I can control my breathing if I become conscious of it. And I think the same is true with our thoughts. I think that if you allow your thoughts to run rampant, you can think all day and and live your life and and do your things. But if you become conscious of them, then you can you may not stop the thinking, but you can understand the process of thinking. One one technique I use, you know, we we speak about having crazy thoughts like, man, I should cut my dog's tongue out or I'm going to take this cat and throw it against the wall because it won't shut up. You know, you can have those thoughts. And the way one technique I use is I see, like metaphorically, I see this king inside my head, and there's all these thoughts lined up, and there's they're just standing and waiting in line, and some of them are impatient, like, hey man, talk to me right now. And so I I I sit in my head and I they're in line, and I say, okay, come up here, and I put them on my lap and I I listen to them, and I hope sometimes I give them a little hug, a little kiss on the cheek, and I go, What do you got, man? Why I hate this cat. Okay. Anything else? No, I hate the cat. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. And then I bring up the next one, you know, and the next one's like, man, I want a burrito now. Okay, why? They taste good. Okay, anything else? Nah, that's all I got. Okay, have a good one, you know. But if you think about your thoughts like that, you bring them in, sit them down, listen to them. Okay, that's ridiculous. Keep on moving, you know, or like, you know what? You should buy your wife some flowers today. I like it. You're right. Okay, let's get on that. Put this guy, hey, room two for this guy. You know what I mean? But, you know, if you can think about your thoughts like that, I think it really helps. And it's 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 like it's structured breathing. It is being conscious of your breathing. So, too, should you be conscious of your thoughts and know that some are silly, some are awesome, and some are just standing in line and have nothing to say. But you can be conscious of them. I have a question, though, George. Sure. <laughs> but um, you said... Uh... You want to buy your wife flowers and yeah, it's nice thought. I'm going to put you in room too. <laughs> what if that thought you had about judging this thought was also something that you have to overcome? <laughs> Those are the guards that stand there with the axes. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, elaborate on that. Let me, let me, can you please tell me what do you mean about that? What if that thought too is, is something I'm judging? What do you mean? So I feel like as we go, progress in our spiritual journey um, mm-hmm. we will get to a point of letting thoughts be without intervening them and they they did not attack us or we don't feel attacked by them or we don't need to do anything with it it's it's this uh, mud water right is okay. is best settled when it's left alone it you stir it the mud comes to the top it's always you you leave it alone it goes to the dawn and you even have a pure water you can drink it if you want so it's like that in the in the beginning stages as you are getting into the awakening process of realizing that i'm just i i've been going as an autonomous figure right uh, autonomous identity just things are happening and these thoughts come i act and so on now you have identified these thoughts come but i don't need to act but we are mm. still attacking it with another thought yes right because anything that's happening in your head is going to be just thoughts because thoughts are words we have given but when you think about something it's a thought so when you say no this thought is 
again we are doing it on past experiences and so on let's say i want a milkshake and i say i don't want it because it's too much sugar or i added yesterday i need to give it a break this all again happens in a space where you're taking in past you're taking in information about sugar you're taking in all these things are happening you see and it's happening so beautifully uh so synchronously it gives the feeling of i oh i have i disidentified myself from the thought of ice cream now i have said no right this this were uh, there was this interesting conversation i my partner and i had so when you're having to start right how do you know you're processing it versus how you are suppressing it right mm the best thing is you it's so open ended right you can try anything the bad thing is you don't know until you try it so you got to try different methods this way another person cannot tell you how to work with your thoughts they can share stories and stuff they can be inspiring but when it comes to our own um figuring out what's happening within me it's going to be a such a individual journey and it's it's like the world we come in so open ended like this cloth i don't need it's it's kind of an thing we have right now that's all right and like the house and stuff these are based on comfort these are not the absolute truths that exist right likewise in the inner world we come so open to it we do not have tools we do not have anything but we have the power to make whatever tool we want we have the power to do whatever we want within our head right so as a thought arises mostly this this was happening on cannabis because cannabis i feel like it's a beautiful thing which increases thought at such a i don't know just it makes it so uh beautiful right and we got into this conversation is like i feel like the start came and i suppressed it it's good you did something because now it when you suppress it, it's going to come back stronger as long mm. as you're paying attention to it you're, yeah. you're still in that framework of understanding oh is this thought still exist and it's coming because i for one cannot tell you how to process a thought how, how i have processed my thought or sometimes i don't even know if i have processed my thought because i do not seem to stop to ask that question because i feel like it's a waste of time as the reality is going by for me that's what i said it the priority is to be calm and when you're not calm it's basically because you have this preconceived notion of the world of events or you have a future expectations right these two are dragging you i have a 11 o'clock appointment mm-hmm. and i have a preconceived notion that i shouldn't be disturbed before my meeting right i need my clear space so these two are dragging me so these two are thoughts right to be able to drop them and go to that particular moment and do everything as a dance right just yes. part of the dance and let it be right i can try to do it in different ways in my head but some some things when you try to do it it is more more like distraction it's fine i'll grab a cigarette and have a coffee on the way right that's that's going to be a distraction or i'm going to be like i'm going to she made me do this i'm going to do something else later right it's 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 going to be some way of projection right so these these things are happening rather than that if we are focusing on our thought this is things and if it starts coming back up strong okay the method i was using was not as good right so what else do i do it i think that's where 
it kind of gets really tricky to fight thinking brain with thinking brain intellectual intellectually if we failed i i i at least believe intellectually if we failed to process emotions right and uh, that's where meditation comes meditation is basically what you said right you need 20 minute uh, thing in as prayer basically when i meditated i think i would have had 2 3 seconds of proper meditation in my life after sitting for hours and hours probably 2 3 seconds of ah i see like just like glimpses microseconds i'm putting it up together to say 2 3 seconds it's so difficult because mind is full of garbage it's just it's there is so much noise that's going around so in, when you start that and go there it takes so much effort right but these are the things that have been there in religious texts prayer prayer has been there for in all all okay. traditions for so long but uh, when i grew up prayer became an external thing again i was used told to pray before my exams i have i was told to pray going to a temple right and uh, they do this uh, fire on a plate they do this three times crap these these are externally appealing these are fun this this was supposed to be a dance right one participated naturally yeah. you know yeah. i i think i was tripping once in um, acid and uh, i was just taking the lighter and doing this and i was loving the design <laughs> yeah and do you know you see the similarity these are people who are just playing with fire in in interesting ways right and now you see from outside oh that guy did the thing and they named it puja you you do puja very good things are going to happen so good but the purpose was that when when you are doing it at that point to truly come to that moment and realize it's fine i do not need to worry it became a ba- bad thing in a way that oh it's okay i have done this they will take care someone will mm. take care mm. so the responsibility got out instead of having the responsibility within the, the whole idea was to stop worrying and start focusing right. it became like oh i don't have to care it's not my responsibility i have prayed to the god it's fine you know i used to one of the funniest things that happened growing up was it it was my first thing that got me into atheism thanks to my dad <laughs> every time i scored really bad in my exams he, he used to scold me he used to say why i was dumb I mean, it was reasonable coming from an indian parent that was expected right right and then luckily in my grade 11 i think uh, that so i was really bad in subjects like language history <laughs> anything that didn't involve like logical thinking and just you know we have the term mugging up just reading all the text putting it exactly on paper and you are able to score marks that that's where most of the education was in india right and uh, so in grade 11 i think it was only science physics chemistry math english was there i was still bad at it and then computer science four of these five subjects were more logical right, right. because this didn't involve you to believe stories this involved you to interact with these events see these things even though they are presented in the same way in books and stuff you still got this intuitive feeling that oh there is something beautiful that's happening here when let's say for me the first time the equations all matched like an integration or differentiation yeah. it happened in such a beautiful way like, wow that's nice right so i got more interested and i scored well so i thought i scored well i should say to my dad they say i finally did well he said uh, saraswati the god of books made sure that you got really good marks how come dude i scored <laughs> bad i am bad 
And you know they say these stories. The the god sat right. in your pen nib and um, wrote the <laughs> exam. And see, these these are things like so frustrating because I understand right now that they didn't know better. But you putting these thoughts in kids, right? Saying that when a good happens, it's like um, to God. When a bad happens, it's to you. So it creates a lot of self esteem issues. Yeah, lot of low so self confidence, right? So all these methods that we have, even though we talk about it and it's it seems like a, such a good tool right it fails to be applied practically it turns out to be a compulsion at some point we need complete revamping every you know it's like uh, meditation or psychedelics you know they say in meditation you, your head is like the sponge right yeah and uh, it collects all this dust and garbage and at the night you have to soak it in water and squeeze it out <laughs> keep it fresh right we got to do that we got to keep 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 it fresh and the sooner we keep it fresh the more peaceful we become this is the same thing as uh, how people can get carried away by emotions right some emotions can be so dragging that they need 2 3 days to process that is one of those things where people my dad has been battling this idea for 55 years now he still has the story that his dad died younger right i do not agree with that because <laughs> that changed the life in such a way that now we have to come to a point that to see it as a beautiful thing one of the things i tell my dad is that uh, he he lost his dad when he was 4 years old right and uh, so actually there was no conscious interaction with dad right but the societal terms that a father should know the dad a fa- for, for a dad is a father sir or a dad son should make the father's soul rest in peace so they do yearly anniversaries and uh, since my dad is around 60 right now so that's 55 years of anniversaries that is real fear of death there right that's compulsion there's nothing more than compulsion there right so we 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 do not talk freely about these topics we are not honest we are not revamping our idea of how in newer ways we can see we are not cleaning out that sponge right but sponge is 55 year old so old now you know yeah. how much dust can be lodged so and these are conversations which i cannot have with my dad mm that's the difference card is so high well i i talk normally i just jolly say he's not interested one thing he just will give the phone to my mom or something or and go away or not entertain the conversation right because the defense mechanism is there because the more i feel like anyone doesn't want to talk about something i feel like work is needed on that area right if, if you're truly calm and happy and are okay with things you'd be okay with talking about anything anything yeah right? so because this this vocal cord is a gift the way to put these complicated sentences right and ways like see we are we are it's almost an hour into the conversation we are able to communicate we are able to take this somewhere this as uh, jordan peterson again says that golden thread the conversation goes along a line right and these are happening thanks to two people who are not oh i don't want to talk about that that's a sensitive topic what's a sensitive topic right there is there are no sensitive topics in this world i do not think so there are sensitive people because of not knowing the right mode of communication the honest way right and uh, i think uh, with respect to death there was this uh, one thing i don't know if i we were talking about it 
but all these uh, sanskrit slogans right i i think they all add the meaning to help you in that moment it was so beautiful when you read it it's like the so called tibetan book of the dead yeah. it's basically it's used for psychedelic trips right when you read yeah. read it and you're yeah. having i i know a lot of people who say they read it before their first psychedelic trip which is amazing right even though you're not going to be able to correlate any of this is like yeah book of the dead was like this my psychedelic trip was like this right there is mm-hmm. no the gap is there but at least the point is that uh the, the communication has to happen right so instead of um having this stigma around something we have to work towards raising awareness for enough people to gain confidence to drop that stigma right we can, all we can do is raise awareness that's all because the more you attack the person who is completely upholding the tradition or ideology as such a strong rooted defense mechanism that is you will only do more damage than good right so it's only people when they have started questioning a bit you can provide information and just awareness to them like this is the story of my life this is what i did this is what i was thinking i was god fearing for so long i'm not anymore i was an atheist i'm not an atheist anymore it's just it's beautiful so i'm in a f- mind where it is what it is right and you put that out there people who have questioned because they have their own sufferings and that has broken the outer shell and they are slowly getting to be so frustrated and ask those questions they will use that point of awareness right oh yeah. it's not so bad right only those people i feel like can be helped the other times yeah <laughs> yeah it's this brings me back full circle okay when we talk about relationships when we talk about intellectualism versus meditation and we talk about specifically conversations that we wish maybe our parents could have that we see this thing lacking okay hold that particular set of ideas in your mind and i'm going to switch over to this other thing but i want you to hold those in your mind i've been trying to create a new strain of mushrooms and the way you do that is by you put the you you inoculate the agar in a little jar and then once once the strain moves over it creates a new little colony then you take that colony you put it in another agar jar and then you find the strongest strain you cut that one and you do that seven times and once you do that you can create a new strain of potentially stronger and stronger mushrooms that's almost like a tradition like i took it from this i took it from penis envy number 7 and now i'm creating penis envy Tom Brady or whatever penis number 8 right but it's a tradition i'm i've taken it from this one strain and i've taken a stronger strain and a stronger strain and so in that way the same way you can look back at your father and say look he taught me all these things he told me that first off how come it's not me when i'm doing awesome how come it's the god doing awesome but it's me when it's a problem you know it's in a way is it fair to say that tradition that got your father to where he is that you know in a previous conversation you're like hey we don't talk about it it's sacred you know what i mean like it's it's the same trad- even though you don't apply those same rules of tradition to you it is that tradition that made you have the courage to challenge that tradition now like in a weird sort of way are you the 
next evolution of that tradition. Do you, do, so wouldn't that almost make tradition good? Like, do you see where I'm going with this? It's, see, th- that's where I feel like uh, there's nothing bad and good about any of these, right? Like, yeah. Yes, uh, yes. It's, it's this question, right? Uh, I ask, how are you? And you're going to give me an answer, right? Uh, right. How are you going to your uh, beach? You're going to give me a, a different answer. How are you going to go to the beach in the next three years, right? And the answer changes. How are you going to go to the beach in the next three years when there are no more cars, right? Your answer keeps changing based on how much I continue, right? So what's right. basically changing is the amount of words that I'm adding. And the in life, that is basically time. As time goes by, events do not have one such uh, viewpoint. It keeps changing. It keeps yes. changing. It's yes. like the spiral. It yes. keeps I'm rotating, rotating. Okay. Yeah. So tradition, no, no one is saying it's bad. No one is saying it's good. For this time frame, see if it's helpful to you. See what it means to you. If you need it, yeah, sure, do it. If, it, if you don't, sure, you don't need to. What the point is, it shouldn't. Nothing should in this world should feel compulsive. Oh, I need to do this, right? I I need to get this done. I mm. should be doing this, right? That, that that's the part where I I feel like I got from psychedelics where do not do anything. And after that, I've lived three years. It's not like I killed myself because my first interaction with my dad after psychedelics was like, oh, you're gonna leave all these and go. And it's not that you're not doing anything in life I, because I, since I'm not talking about it, doesn't mean eventually there is going to be a set of actions that I did. I don't have to think about tomorrow, but today as the day goes by, I will finish call. I'll take uh, maybe one more call or go out and do a bunch of stuff. I don't have to have plans for those, right? I don't need to be compulsively tied to my idea of my future. All, all these are derived from that expectations, right? With expectations will come a lot of disappointments. Yes. So <laughs> I'm sorry, that was sidetracked. But to your question, yes, of course, traditions in that sense, you can say, right? You, you will draw the bracket. Oh, at this point, tradition is good. You go one pack, maybe tradition is not good. You go even further and see the originating of tradition, you see it's extremely good. So it can go from good to bad to good to bad. It's just an event. It's yeah. based on observer, right? It's it's the quantum physics happening on a grand scale. It's like I choose. <laughs> I think sometimes I think of tradition as like the default mode network in our brain. Like it's they're kind of rails, and it's good to have structure, especially for people. There's a lot of people, and probably if we're honest, at some point in time we all need structure in order to build out a foundation, whether that's a traditional foundation or it's a new kind of like hipster kind of awesome foundation. Those done before may, may work, may not, but I mean, we know that there's rails there to fall back on if we need it. And maybe that is the role of tradition is to be a, a, a framework for people to build on. And I think that there's something really liberating and beautiful about moving past culture in tradition. And it can be scary, especially for a lot of people. It can be really scary to get way outside these lines. And there's a lot of criticisms of it. But ultimately, maybe that's just a sign of what stage people are at is, okay, I no longer need this. I guess if you – let's just take it right back to Siddhartha. You know what I mean? Just go right back to Siddhartha. And now you're at a spot where 
you have you've crossed the river, you've seen lust, and you're building this own own world. But then I start thinking, well, you're just gonna fall right back in. <laughs> I don't know. It's so amazing and beautiful to me to try and comprehend the idea of culture and tradition. But I feel like no matter how far I get away from these ideas of tradition, that I'm still in it and I just don't understand it. Is that is that getting lost in like the Maya? Is that just getting lost in this world of of language? What do you think? Repeat that question again. I don't think I got completely right. what you said. There may not the, be just the last part. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that clarifies it. <laughs> mm, uh, you said you said tra tradition, right? Tradition culture is something we can fall back on. It's a structure. Yeah, I agree, right? Like um, when you're when you're having a let's say so in in right now to explore our consciousness and present moment awareness we as humans do all sorts of crazy things right great crazy here is a good word by the way yeah right M mountain climbing fast racing <laughs> boxing anything that can guess get us close to death where there is nothing else we can do just but be so present right we put the situation in such a way that i can't think here you know you're holding on to your life you're not going to think that I have to pay my FIDO bill tomorrow. Shit. No. <laughs> it's, it's not going to come. That's the beauty of being close to death, right? Yeah. That is that. But now the couple who goes to mountain climbing every day or every week, right? Now they have a kid, right? Now I don't think they can take the same risk. Maybe if they are okay with one of them raising them, one can still go and explore. But if they want both of them to race together, they're going to sacrifice this event for some time because the kid is in such a vulnerable stage and it needs the right warmth and you know the growth period right and that's the same with cultures and traditions like this thing uh the tri tricycle right when you're young right first time you're driving yeah you need some kind of a support let's say your dad is helping yes. you or you're on a tricycle right all that that is i think i'm trying to say at that point is you can also drive without it, right? And you might be able to go a bit faster without it, right? And it's up to you. Do you want to go fast? It's all It's all up to that particular person who's doing it. Do I want to do it? But most of the times, it's not knowing better, right? Not knowing that removing the tricycle stand. I don't right. know what it's called. The, thing. The, tra the training wheels. The training wheels, yeah. yeah. The training wheels is going to be uh, harmful because when we are standing and we see right it's like the cycle is standing right with the tra training wheels it's standing yeah. right and you yes. listen to someone you listen to someone that culture is like a training wheels and you remove the training wheels you remove the training wheels the cycle falls and yeah. you think that's bad right yeah you need to put a stand before you remove the training wheels or you need to be in motion right to create yes. the stability so there are so many things that are happening if you if you take a simple case as a cycle and a training wheels if you are able to think that we are interacting we are 100,000 organisms interacting with each other right the yeah. result of that is culture so it's quite um it's a quite an interesting thing it it's is really good there are days where i feel it's really bad there are days where i'm really yeah. angered but yeah. i also feel like i'm going to convey this anger and then i realize Maybe it's not my place to convey the anger. There is no point. Maybe the anger is just a motivation to get me to sit near my mic and have this podcast talk and tell there is a way to 
maybe not have the training wheels right it can it can help you it can help you become more self sufficient right and one of the crazy things about this uncertain life is everyone we come in contact with we are going to lose them either we die first or we are going to lose them right so what kind of any kind of support structure that is not you is going to fall right so and that's fine too right because at that point when it falls you you're going to be carried by yourself right yeah 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 that's a great way to look at it like when you, it, it makes me think when i was teaching my daughter to ride a bike you know we took off the training wheels i'm like all right you ready for this and we on my house there's like a we're out on the sidewalk and we start at point a like right outside our house you come down the gate and we start right here and the kind of sidewalk rolls around like rolls around this way and you know so we're on the bike and i'm like okay let's go and i got one hand on the seat and one hand on the on the steering wheel and and she's going she's pedaling she's pedaling and she's going and then i let go and i'm watching her and she falls and she she gets up and she's so pissed takes a bike throws it down i can't do it dad can't do it this is ridiculous just super mad right and i'm listening i'm letting her go it's like no wow man and i go stop what i go look where you started at look over there where you started at and she had gone like 50 feet you know and i'm like see the fire hydrant that's where you started at look where you are now and i just see this look of like oh yeah it picks up her bike let's go again yeah. you know but sometimes it's this matter of this level of frustration and falling is necessary because you got to stop and look, okay stop look where you started at and then it's like okay i'm not stressed i'm not mad i'm not upset anymore i did it you know and it's it comes back to what you said about you know it's you don't have to get back on the bike but looking back to where you started gives you the fortitude and it gives you the courage and it gives you the insight and the understanding of look i oh I've already been doing it. Like, okay, this is working. But sometimes you get so frustrated, you get so caught up with these support structures that you don't realize how far you've come. And I, I never thought about like looking at family members, jobs, um, tradition, all these things as support structures, as training wheels. And when you take them off, it's it's difficult. But you're doing it already, and they're going to come off eventually. So that's really well put, man. I, I, I appreciate getting to that part of the conversation that helps me look at my life and see things different that way. That's a great way to put it, man. And I think the total credit goes to you because sometimes I talk about these things, I'm biased too much against it. Right. And you talking about how eventually, you know, that tradition is what made me fight it and kind of doesn't that make it good. And that's, that's the truth about pretty much anything, right? That's where we, Come, you can be truly peaceful. It's like, yeah, it's not such a horrible thing, right? You you can help people when you see if I see someone who's like compulsively. <laughs> I have stories of friends who get uh, emotionally manipulated by parents to yeah, it's huge. Marry or do all sorts of things, and you know, at that point, you because the person at the point is not interested in talking to you. Right, so you feel this frustration. Oh, it's the tradition that uh, you know made him do that. And you understand. At some point, I think we should have that at not attitude, but we should have the idea that um, everything happens for good. Every single thing, as much as we might not be able to see it in that moment, it's necessary. 
it is necessary right it's so hard to figure that like it's that's so hard to comprehend because there's no there's there's no reason we can understand for it at the time like why did my kid die why damn it you can rage in that why did someone i love die? who how dare this thing called god takes this thing from me like at that moment in the moment yeah. of tragedy there's no answers and there yeah. there may be no answers in life but this get this takes us back ranga to the idea of in life that you have no control over the events but you and you alone get to decide the meaning of that event in your life and when you take responsibility for defining the meaning of that event that's the moment the training wheels come off and yeah. it takes a tragedy it takes a horrific event sometimes to rip those training wheels off and that i think is the purpose of tragedy i think the purpose of tragedy is for you to fall harder than you've ever fell in your life into the pit that seems bottomless and you must lose everything you must uh, you should lose all your support structures because you have to the, yeah you, you have to fall uh, i think there were two things uh, the what your statement got me reminded of first thing is uh, finding meaning right yes victor frankl do you know about him man search for meaning yes so that that guy lost his whole family in the nazi camp i think right yes and uh, you know seeing that right in front of your eyes shifts the it shifts your perception right and yeah. he didn't go on to become traumatized or re rewire the trauma and distribute it rather he processed it into say how you can find meaning in your suffering i think that's what when it came to my mind when you said uh, tragedy has to happen for you yeah. to that's what i feel like i also say when uh, i say you need to be frustrated enough to question because Take if it. life seems good you're just frustrated with yourself because you're not truly at peace with what's happening but you you can't complain because things are good like i have all these secure networks around me the structure is good like it's it's getting me day to day right at least whatever the world has conceived to be a comfort lifestyle or you know not a problematic lifestyle and because of that the frustration builds up right yeah. so i think that's that's where it comes the second thing was the suzuki zen where they say yes the bad thing is we are falling we are falling at such a rapid pace the good thing is there is no ground <laughs> it's, it's that, that's hilarious yeah so let the structures collapse because where are we going to truly fall right yeah if you if you're in an endless um, skydiving yeah you might as well have fun in it you can do all sky, crazy dances you know the sky so sleep this within the head you keep falling, yeah. falling 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 i got good news and bad news the good news is there's medicine for everyone the bad news is the medicine doesn't work <laughs> it's it's fascinating to think of and i you know i find myself sometimes like a a madman like okay just think about it from this angle like if you really want to grow if you really want to become the best person you should be you should be seeking the most horrible tragic events but then ask yourself what kind of a lunatic seeks out horrible tragic events you know i find myself in this i just start laughing sometimes my wife's like i don't want to know i don't want to know george i don't want to know and i'm like listen We should be seeking out horrible things. Get away from me. You know, no, listen, I'm going to tell you why we should be seeking these out. Like, yeah, it's, and it just, it just brings me back to, 
you know, sometimes I'll see like a, a homeless person just laughing and I'm like, that guy gets it. That guy gets it, man. Like that guy is probably the smartest person on the planet right now, you know? Vice person, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's amazing to think about. Ranga, I, I love it, man. I could talk to you for another two and a half hours, but I have, yeah. I have to go to work, man. But I, it's so fun. I feel like I learned so much and I, I really, I like the idea of, pushing back on each other's ideas. And I feel like we're beginning to do that more and more with just, I think I our, think so. yeah. our, yeah, I think that our, our relationship is beginning to evolve to that point. And I, I, I forecast deeper and better conversations when we can have a good laugh and we can push each other in a direction that stretches our, our abilities to think more. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being part of my life and part of a conversation that I, I find fulfilling. And I hope other people that listen to this will feel fulfilling. So what are you, what you got, go, what do you have going on? Where can people find you and what are you excited about? Yeah. The last time I think uh, you asked me this question, I said something and uh, my partner reply after that word, everything was so good, but you didn't mention about your, uh, future psychedelic experiences that's going to be the center point for the coming months <laughs> how yes. did you not so yeah i think um that is one of the center points the weeks going ahead experiences that way and also yes i as i said probably we're gonna have our first podcast on monday hopefully nice yes and uh soon enough it's, we can reverse the tables and I'll see yeah. how hard it is to maybe have the right questions at that point and navigate because you seem to be doing it so smoothly. I don't see a point where you're like, yeah, I don't know what to ask. You know, it's, it's, it's very nice. Right. And uh, yeah, until then I have my uh, job to keep me surviving. Yes. So yeah, it's pretty limited number of things, but it's, it has me very interested in the coming days. Let me ask you this before you go. What do you have a like when you say your future psychedelic experience? Is there, you know, do you sometimes I think I've been practicing with sometimes I will go into it with an intention. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll write in my journal here's the things that I've been thinking about. Here's the things that I've, I've really been wanting to question. Sometimes I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go into a detailed understanding of what I want to get out of it. And other times I'll just be like, I'm going to smoke this huge joint and then eat all these mushrooms and just see where this thing goes, yeah. you know? And I, I, I'm on the fence as far as which one has a better outcome. You know, do you have intent? Do you not have intent? So I'm playing kind of with writing stuff down. Do you have a certain structure that you do before you go in? Uh, I, I would say that more as a ritual, I don't mm -hmm. think mentally I have, uh, many things because I, I think after the first two, three experiences, psychedelic was harsher when I add expectations. So it's just yeah. a personal thing because any kind of intention I have, it's just, you want that fuck off. I'm not going to give you that. Yeah! You know, you're, you're subconsciously <laughs> like pinned on to that sometimes yeah. if the dose is not high enough. Right? right. I feel like, you know, you, you reach that um, point of dose, the, the breakthrough dose or whatever. Right. 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 You, you can't think anymore. You're, you're not disappointed or anything, but if you're caught in the midway or if you're taking something more of an introspective drug like psilocybin and it's, it can be harsher based on varier intentions, but it's just my personal thing. Right. Yeah. For yeah, example, um, I can tell you something 
uh, this uh, similar it happened. I was trying DMT wave, and uh, I think the first time didn't I didn't take it properly. So I had a feeling that I I I wanted to do this right. So right. it's like I read a lot more. Uh, right. I think the battery was not charged the first time as well. So I'm gonna charge the battery this time at my part. I made her sit and it's like, Uja, see, I'm going to take five puffs. They say five to 10 is a good breakthrough dose, right? So I'm going to do this five. Are you sure? You should do four, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm going here. I'm, I'm going through the DMT tunnel, right? All these things. I take one. I'm like, yep, your face is collapsing inwards, but I'm going to go for it. And then I take the second one. I drop it. I'm like, I'm gone. I, yeah. At that point... Even though I'm not like completely gone because the vape has very uh, gradual doses, right? So I'm not, It's it was still a low dose. But at that point, I had the strongest intuition ever to drop it. And I was so happy at that point to drop it and just recite back <laughs> to see what's happening, right? And yeah, that's it. For me, that makes me think as much as I have something of an intention, because our intentions are focused based on the problems we conceive with smaller right. mindsets or narrowed mindsets. And it, for, for me, it has always broken out those barriers, right? So what I might even think as a problem ceases to exist in the second, right? Yeah. So wait, what was, I, what was my intention? It takes like five seconds to like, oh, <laughs> sometimes there is also this feeling, man, have I too much suppressed emotions deep down that I've not even gone there. Maybe I need like, I don't know, <laughs> tremendous amount of work because every time I go, I'm just, I'm just floating and I'm happy. Is there something wrong? Like, does it, because I, yeah, that's, that's what I think. So <laughs> going forward, I feel like no intentions, but I'm curious on, because I got, um, I met this friend recently at Vipassana and he gave me this book, uh, Pickle. So Alexander Shulgin's. I, I got them both. Tico. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal, man. Both of yeah. them. Is that, okay. So is, is the, is that the one that has, one of them is stories about trips. And then another one is like the actual, actual documentation. Like I got a, like a, 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 which one is, which one is, what is in that particular book? Pickle, I think, starts with uh, their stories, personal stories, Shasha's yes. and Anne's, yes. and then goes on to uh, the second part of the book, which describes the journeys with, journey with 179 compounds. That's yes. mind-blowing. And to think that I keep going back to two or three, I'm like, yeah, man, I, I am some level seeking this comfort space, right? Yeah. So maybe for the upcoming, I was like, I got interested with uh, malfumerate, methyl escalin. Mm. So yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it and trying to see that there are known drugs and there are, because I really appreciate the courage these two add yeah. and their group of friends. Yes. It's mind blowing because before you take it, you have lots of hesitation, even with known drugs. Yeah. I love acid, like anything. Yeah. But even before that, it's like, maybe not, not today. Not that much? Can I find oh, a reason? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? And to not know something. It's, it can be frightening. Yeah. So cheers to them and thanks for sending courage my way. I feel a little bit more adventurous in that sense. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Like there's so many labs in Canada that make such pristine quality grade. Mm -hmm. You could buy all the different 
you know, di dips or, uh, you know, it, all the different fumarates, all the different salts. I always see all the labs and I'm like, man, I live in Hawaii. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Hawaii, but I can't buy any of that stuff from any of those labs, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I know that. Awesome. So a few years back, the first time I decided I'm not moving away from Canada was for, for a totally different reason, right? I, right. The open-minded society and so on. And then I, I now realize it's the mind-exploring society or opportunity that they produce. <laughs> the labs, as you said, it has blown my mind. Like, what do you want yeah. with, with the express shipping? <laughs> you yeah, can... they're all right here. It's like a menu. I'll take some fish, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it's amazing, and yeah. you gotta be really grateful. I, I think I, I found that to be really synchronous, like getting to know and having this and meeting this new friend who is much more um, resourceful, right? Right. It's nice. It's just it's happening. Things are happening. Yeah. You know? And same with your message. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna hold you much, but your message no. popping up like three weeks back, I think it was July last week. I was like, I've been saying podcast for seven months. Right? <laughs> who, who is this guy? Why is he stupid enough to call me? Like, what have I done, right? And, and you know, you have these things and it's like, I'm going to say yes. And it was a nice intro that you sent me the first time. It was, Thank you. It was nice. It's, it, it, it shows what you're, like, I feel like people, when they're interested in consciousness, any kinds of states of mind, are, it, it doesn't have to be with psychedelics. Just, I, I feel like the moment you're open, about, open to consciousness, it, at least you're pushing yourself to be much more open-minded than before. So, yes. Yeah. And, I feel like the mushrooms are are bringing like like if you if you look at the way mycelium grows and it exchanges information between trees like I I was just telling Paul this the other night like I really feel that the people that are brought into my life recently like I've been taking a lot of mushrooms and I feel like I'm growing towards people like this is a perfect segue into this like and I just it feels like such an organic process of reaching out to some people and then them giving me feedback and then growing that connection. Like the process of relationship has become so much more intriguing, fulfilling and growth oriented. Like it just, it just seems to me it's not, there's no coincidence. It's like, this is the path. Like I, it's amazing, man. I'm, I'm really, I'm just so thankful to get to talk to people like you and all these other people that are in my life. Like I, it's so fulfilling. I, I agree. It's so nice talking with you. When I sometimes look at the time, look at the time, I'm like, wow, it just flows by. And it's so, you know, this is one of those things I feel like yeah. I have to think about much. Again, this yeah. is one of those cycling trips every, I think this is the third time I'm sitting with you. Three minutes, four minutes before the thing, it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to do this. I don't, I don't, don't want to sit. Like, I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't have things to talk about. I don't know what to talk about, right? And that's where I think I I forget. I completely forget that you don't need to know anything. Yeah. Right. Half the time I just listen to you and then just things pop up. It's I'm I am just this yeah. sometimes in a joking way. I'm the slave of this organism which is kind of communicating through me. Because yeah. there is no me involved in except for moving this and talking. It just happens so smoothly, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like we were talking about preparing for a trip. Like I can write all kinds of notes, you know, the same way I would write down stuff for a trip. But then I'm over here, like I, you know, and it, it's just a better con. Like it's okay to have a scaffolding. It's okay to have notes. And sometimes maybe you turn to them, maybe you don't. But you know, I I think it's the notes just become 
thoughts that I've gotten out prior to the conversation. Sometimes they don't even end up in the conversation, but yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's room two. Maybe that's room two, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ranga. I, I yes. appreciate it, my friend. What a great time. What a great conversation. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you on Sunday and I'll let you go for the day. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to in the broadcast, but hang on one second until before you cut out though. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great afternoon. Hello. Okay. So let me pop that right there. taking a moment to hang out with me in the true life podcast i truly appreciate it if you're taking some time to listen to this whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way i truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart additionally i would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances i really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine i've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.